Hello, everyone. We are back at the Red Pill Expo on Jekyll Island, and we're here with Dr. Andrew Kaufman. And he had a great speech yesterday. And I can't even imagine how frustrating it must be when people ask you about, you know, don't you care about 200,000 people dying and all the lives? But one of the things that you said that I had never heard of before was dealing with the sequencing of uh, the different, I'm not sure if it's the right terminology, the genome, but the sequencing of the virus or supposed virus. And can you get into a little bit about the actual sequencing that, that goes on? Yeah, sure. Well, you know, I'm one of the uh, few people who's really been uh, looking at the science and reporting that they haven't definitively shown that there's even a virus at all causing this disease. And one of the, so people send me articles trying to prove that there is a virus, right? And recently I've been getting a lot of people sending me these studies where they say that they've sequenced the genome of this virus. And what the genome is, is it's basically the full length of genetic material. Like, so for us, our genome is like all 46 chromosomes. And, but the thing is, they didn't like take a virus, right? Like, let's say, how would you sequence our genome? Well, you'd take a human, right? Just a human, not mixed with other animals. And you'd take out some cells from a human, and then you'd take out the DNA from there, right? And then you'd sequence it. Well, when they do this for this alleged virus, that's not what they do at all. They don't start with a virus particle. They start with fluid from a sick person, like lung fluid usually, where they put a wash down the lungs through a tube and then suck back up some sputum like phlegm. And what they do is they take this and it's got, it doesn't have a full um, genome in it. It's got all like thousands and thousands of little short strands of genetic material, right? Little pieces. And it, they use this technique called next generation sequencing. And this is a very powerful high-tech technique, but it's not used to discover a new organism. It's used when you already know the genetic sequence of an organism and you're looking for changes like a mutation. Um, and so you can compare it to something that's known but they are exploiting it to do this procedure where they start off with this dirty sample, thousands and thousands of little fragments of genetic material, don't know where they're from. Maybe they are from a virus, but some of them, and then maybe some are from a bacteria, some are from human cells, you know, we just don't know. And they sequence all these little strands, and in one paper it was over 20,000 short little strands. And after they sequence them, then they use computer modeling to reconstruct these 20,000 little fragments into one big long strand. But the thing is, since they're not all from the same thing, they're not like from one organism, they don't all match up and there are like gaps. And in order to fill in the gaps, they just make it up. They take sequences that are allegedly from other viruses that they've done the same kind of experiment on and they just pop it in there to fill the hole. And then they report it as an actual genome of an organism, and it's completely fraudulent because they don't say partly a possible genome with you know filler sequences that we made up from a computer database, right? So what I would say at best you could call this is a theoretical genome of a hypothetical virus. Um, but it does not represent a real organism or a real genome in any way. And you know, it took me weeks to look at these papers and figure out exactly what they're doing. And it's just astonishing, you know, that they, that they call this uh, a rigorous science. Um, it's really uh, a travesty.
Yeah, and just so maybe we can try to trigger everybody here uh, from the left. I know back when I was researching global warming back in the day, there was all this, it sounds very similar that there was all this data where they were showing data points of of actual uh, you know, thermometers and temperature gauges, and then there was other data that they didn't have, and they called it the inference data, yes. and then all the raw data actually showed that it was about the same or even cooling, and it was all the inference data, the data that just made it up that showed that there was warming that sounds like it's a similar thing going on here where they you know, just made up certain uh, part of the sequencing that they, that they didn't even have, and it sounds almost criminal, but how can you relate that? Can you talk a little bit about the PCR test and how uh, maybe some of the inaccuracies with that, because we're here, I'm from Maricopa, County, Arizona, which is uh, supposedly the coronavirus capital of the world, at least a month ago it was, where it's worse than Wuhan, yet I didn't know anybody who had it. I didn't see people dying all around me. And I was supposedly in the coronavirus capital of the world. Can you talk a little bit about the testing that's going on and some of the, uh, you know, I guess some of the uh, misconceptions uh, that the mainstream media isn't talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, one thing just, I mean, common sense should dictate that if you have a deadly disease, you don't need a test to tell you who has it because they'll be dying right in front of you, right? So, so keep that in perspective. And what you're talking about is essentially they're testing healthy people, okay? Now, we don't go around testing healthy people for diseases normally, right, for infectious diseases. We don't go around testing healthy people for Ebola or influenza or pneumonia or anything else, right? So it's kind of weird that we're testing healthy people in the first place. But I think if I were to go out there, like walk around any major city and ask people, you know, what does this COVID-19 test test for? They would say it tests for a virus, but it doesn't test for a virus. Um, in fact, there's no uh, commercially available medical test that tests for a virus. It doesn't Didn't the guy who made the test even say this shouldn't even be used for the test? Well, he definitely discussed the main problems that it is not, the, it is not really a diagnostic test. Like, so you could talk about this from this perspective of PCR testing in general, right? That it's not an on-off, yes-no test. It has a range, right? It's like, well, the, you're amplifying genetic material and you don't know how much you started with. So you don't really know how much there was. And then you basically have to decide, well, if we have, um, you know, like, it, it, let's say we have a pile of dirt, right? Well, a pile of dirt could be, you know, this high or this high or this high. So w how high is it to be a positive pile, right, or a big pile? Where's the cutoff that it's a big pile and below that it's a small pile? You have to set that arbitrarily. With the PCR test, the same thing. You have to say, well, what number is a positive test? So if you set that number higher, obviously you're going to have less uh, positive tests. And if you set it lower, you're going to have more positive tests. So using a test in this way to diagnose something, there's a big degree of error just from that. But I think the most important thing about the test is that it actually doesn't test for a virus. And there's no test that directly tests for a virus. And in the science of this alleged virus, they actually haven't shown a purified virus at all. It sounds like there's no real control from what you were just describing yeah. before with the sequencing. So when you have this test, you want to say, okay, does this test correlate with a virus? Well, since we don't have a test for the virus, we can't compare it. So that means we have no idea how accurate this test is. We, we can't even calculate the accuracy because there's no gold standard of comparison. So when you're taking this test, you have no idea what a positive result means. And we do know, though, that a positive result has consequences. 
right? Um, if you look at what... Uh, financial consequences, too. I mean, we're at the Red yes. Pill Expo. This originally started off as a financial conference. Yeah, but I mean, I'm talking about, like, even for an individual, because, like, the there's... Um, Operation Moonshot is the British plan to increase testing. They want to test every single citizen on a weekly basis in the United Kingdom. And they're going to tie it to what they call a digital passport, which basically has your testing results. And if you have a positive test, you won't be able to go to work, you won't be able to access venues, you won't be able to travel, uh, at least air travel, um, and you won't be able to go in person for a medical appointment, which is kind of ironic if you're sick. But <clears throat> nonetheless, so this is a test. We have no idea what the accuracy is. The result is meaningless, but... We'll have to edit that cough out, people. But, Coronavirus. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you have to do it, and if you have a positive result, you're basically going to be a prisoner for two weeks, at, at a minimum. And it seems like there is a big financial incentive, at least in New York. Uh, okay, you get a, you know, you have, get, you die with coronavirus, and you get thirty-five thousand dollars, or you die with coronavirus, and you get put on a ventilator, you get even more money. And we are at the Red Pill Expo, which you know, obviously, creature from Jekyll Island. And it seems like eventually, the the what they're going to lead to is, okay, we're going to have this universal basic income, and oh, you weren't a good slave, and you didn't go get your. Uh, you didn't go get your test done or you didn't go, uh, you know, get your vaccine, which is, you know, the real goal here. And then now you're not going to get your universal basic income. And maybe it's, they're not going to start off with that. But you see this frog boiling atmosphere. And to me, it's really the biggest issue. And I used to never talk about vaccines. It wasn't really my issue. It wasn't really my deal. But I see how they're tying it to the financial system. And, oh, cash is bad. You can't walk around because there might be coronavirus on your cash. And do you see, do you think there's any hope to stop this? I mean, there, it seems like there's waking up a lot of people but it's also at the same time, like, I feel like we're in this end game where, you know, who knows next this year, next time, if there will even be a Red Pill conference or if we're even allowed to travel. Um, but do you think there's, there's hope out there for people? Well, yes, of course, I think there's a ton of hope. But I want to just give a word of caution first, because even without knowing any details about something, if the government tries to strongly coerce you to do something, right? Like, for example, with vaccines, they say, if you don't vaccinate your children, they can't go to school right? That, that's coercion. And that should be a red flag of something you could look into because if the thing is useful and people would want it, why do they have to use coercion? So I would look very carefully into that. But I do actually think there is, this is a time of great hope. And I, because we have a real chance to remake a society without all of this tyranny, and um, in, you know, inequality and oppression that we've been experiencing. So, of course, it seems that the government is going to try to get more and more control over us. And I think there are going to be a lot of people who continue to go along with that. And they're going to get kind of deeper and deeper into that, you know, control system. But people like us and like hopefully who is listening to this interview right now, we realize that we need to make our own future. And if we don't want this tyranny to rain down upon us, then it's up to us to say no. Like we have to, as individuals, decide it's time to say no. We're not going to go along with this anymore. We're going to make our own future. 
And Steve Jobs had a quote that was very similar to that. It was, you know, look at everything around you, paraphrasing here, but your entire world was made by people who are no smarter than you. And unfortunately, there's a very tiny amount of people, I won't call them the elite, but there's a very tiny amount of people who are dictating control over everything. And it is, you know, sad to see where people will say someone like myself isn't educated or like yourself on the virus. When I bought masks actually six years ago for Ebola, when it seems like Ebola is something that, you know, actually could, you know, if there was an outbreak of that, it seems like it would be obviously a much, much bigger deal than the coronavirus. But yet it seemed like the government had no real concerted effort to try to stop Ebola, you know, six years ago. But now it seems like it's, you know, the coronavirus. Aren't there even like, like common colds that fall underneath the category of a coronavirus? Well, listen, you know, I know that um, there is this number thrown around of 200,000 deaths due to coronavirus, but that, that is not a, a, an accurate representation of what really occurred. So first of all, you know that all these deaths have just been recategorized. You know, why did the number of deaths from heart disease drop down by 40%? That was the n number two leading cause of death in this country, right? So if you just call a heart attack COVID-19, it makes it look like people are dying some, of something new, but they're simply not. Um, but taking that aside for a moment and just say, okay, well, you know, how many people just die of normal things, right? Like the flu and pneumonia. And 200,000 deaths from the flu and pneumonia is an average year. So we're not really taught, it sounds like a big number, but every year in the United States, the death rate is about 0.9%. So we're talking about 3 million people die in the United States each year, right? So you can see out of 200,000 dying from lung infections. Um, that seems like a pretty reasonable number out of three million. And if you look back and, you know, historically every year, you'll see that that's about comparable with the usual numbers. And when you're keeping people inside, you're not getting sunlight, you're not getting natural vitamin D, you're not, you know, there, there's no, I mean, you can't say vitamin C on YouTube over here, uh, but there's so many things that the basic, th I mean, even when you're taking a, ma putting a mask on you, you're not getting in, you know, obviously the, the oxygen you should be, you're weakening your immune system, and then they have everybody go outside at the same time, and then you're increasing your likelihood of getting sick, and then you've got little kids wearing masks, your fingers are in all sorts of things, and, uh, you know, it's just breeding, and, and it almost seems they're, they're making things worse with everything that's going on with having to wear masks, and I wore a mask on a plane in February and had the TSA absolutely berate me. Uh, for doing now, I did so to get my TSA pre-check because I didn't like them, and, and I was, it was my global entry interview, and I just wore it to be a jerk. And, and at the time, they were pissed at me. And now, last time I flew, I didn't have a mask, and they were pissed at me. And it's funny that like, there's no messaging of, of there's been no uh, push. I mean, Fauci was even talking about the masks are what a symbolic gesture. I think was his quote back in February or, or March. Well, you know. You just like I was warning before about uh, coercion, you also need to pay attention when public figures contradict themselves. So, you know, Fauci is a great example because uh, he wrote an editorial in the New England Journal saying that this epidemic was just like a seasonal flu, uh, which means we shouldn't do anything different than we do in a normal year. He also and even Dr. Judy at that time was saying it was a severe flu. So it even sounds like even he was saying that it was even uh, well, even less than. Well, let's just stick with Dr. Fauci yeah. because um, he reversed himself on that. He also um, spoke uh, a year or two ago about asymptomatic carriers that they never drive a pandemic, yet that's who is targeted now. And then he also 
um, said that masks were not helpful or necessary and then let, changed his statement. So, that, you know, three times that he contradicted himself in opposite directions. So I would say he's not trustworthy at all in, in terms of someone to listen to. Okay, and can you let people know where they can find you? Because I know you've been a very in-demand uh, man here at, at Red Pill, everybody wanting to talk to you and really appreciate the time we have here. But where can people find more about you and your work? Yeah, well, I'm definitely check out my YouTube channel. It's uh, under Andrew Kaufman. And I'm also putting stuff on LBRY.TV because they're censoring more and more of my material on YouTube. And we need to get off that platform. So I'm at uh, DR Andrew Kaufman on LBRY. And, and they then, actually, they just switched now. So LBRY was meant to be a place where they store videos, but now they're using Odyssey. So it's a very smart move. It's one of the ones that we like most here because uh, I think I've, I'm on BitChute other places, but I feel like libraries really been one of the better better places. Yeah, I like their distributed model and um, just their, their interface is way better. I mean, I can actually upload videos there yeah. on some of the other new platforms. It's taken days to get a video up. So I'm happy for that. Um, and then also on my website is uh, andrewkaufmanmd.com. And uh, you, I do natural healing consultations. I'm selling a trace mineral supplement. And I have backups of my most important videos that you can stream right off my website. Oh, thank you. We appreciate your time today. And make sure you check out his website. Thank you. Are you searching for a financial advisor who gets it, wants somebody that knows you know, what's going on in the world? Uh, you know, not to say that I have all the answers, but I'm coming live from Jekyll Island, Georgia right now, specifically the Jekyll Island Club, which is where the plan for the Federal Reserve was hatched. And I've been helping to expose these guys for over a decade. And so if you're working with you know, your normal, average financial advisor that just wants to play it safe, that maybe this past March during the pandemic helped conservatively lose you, you know, 30, 40 percent, you know why you I would definitely implore that you guys take a chance and take a look at the videos that I've been putting out for the past several years where almost everything that's gone on I've called it even you know even Donald Trump said it was gonna be the Russians that they're gonna blame it on the month before the election it's just it, it sounds unbelievable but I do have the video proof so I'm gonna link those videos down below but more importantly I mean you're not just gonna work with a guy because he says a lot of nice things and he's ideologically believes in you you know you want to be sure that you're in a spot where you can actually make money from this that you can actually profit from this that you can be in a position to not maybe lose as much as everybody else when this ultimately goes down and so what I would do is check out the speech that I gave down in Acapulco Mexico gave it February 11th uploaded it to YouTube February 19th and at the end of that video I gave a quick little you know GoPro uh, ad-libbed advertisement where I mentioned exactly what we were doing and as part of that plan what we did is we had invested into put options on the S&P 500 while also being long the S&P 500. And what that meant is as long as the market wasn't flat, uh, we were able to capture the gains in 2019 when the market went up. And when the market collapsed in March, we had almost hardly any losses at all. And certainly, uh, you know, it was still way above the high watermark from, uh, from the previous year. So, you know, we were, you know, barely down when everything, you know, hit the fan and we had almost all the gains in 2019 very people who can say that so if you're with you know the average advisor who's out there or you don't even know your person's name and they don't get it and you're so frustrated and they don't know anything about the Federal Reserve well I'm here at the Red Pill Expo right now I've been to several different events with Geo Griffin I've interviewed him uh, you know a few times and it's and it's just 
what I would just say is please, please, please check out the information below. Realize that there is somebody out there that does exist, that gets you, that gets your family, that wants to help protect your family, and that you know has a good idea of where things are going. There's, you know, there's a few different ways this, this can shake out, but if you don't know any of this stuff, you cannot protect yourself against what is potentially coming. So I would just say, hey, you know, I would just say have a free consultation. Uh, you know, there's, you know, odds are you're gonna, you're gonna learn a lot. Uh, you're gonna put yourself on a better path, put your family on a better path. And please don't come to me after everything has collapsed because the time to act is now. The time to act is when you actually have a chance to make a difference. And so right now, my main motivation is not money. It's helping to make a difference in the world, which is why I drove across country because I wouldn't wear a mask. I'm over here on the Jekyll Island Club to help take this island back from the banksters that stole this uh, in 1910 and then enacted the legislation on December 23rd, 1913. And if you're with an advisor who's not exposing this stuff, I mean, where do you wanna put your money? You wanna invest with the good guys, you wanna invest with the people who are out there trying to help you and your family, help helping to advance humanity. So check out the website, thelibertyadvisor.com. You can see how I'm different than the average person that's out there. If you wanna check out the podcast, that's thelibertyadvisorshow.com to see all different media, stuff that I've been putting out for, for years, at getting all the arrows, getting all the other advisors, you know, having to lose jobs for having to speak my mind on this when I wouldn't shut up. So, you know, put your money with the guys who are actually out there, not just guys, I mean, girls too, but, you know, put your money with the people who are, you know, who, you know, they called this, people who are, you know, fighting for your rights, people who are out there trying to stand up for what's going on. So anyways, you know, this is coming from Jekyll Island, Georgia. Thank you guys. That's thelibertyadvisor.com. Thank you and started to say that it was a cause. And this is really what I call the master virus dogma strategy here. So you take this recipe on the left, where you have rotting flesh from a sick person, mix it with poison in a starving cell culture for monkeys, and not only do you get the cytopathic effects that are quote unquote proof of a virus without actually showing a virus, but also, this is the recipe to make a vaccine. So that, that experiment I described before with the mice, what they essentially did was they put a vaccine in those mice without the adjuvants, okay? Because you take this cell culture product and add adjuvants, that's a live virus vaccine, okay? If you take it out of that culture, put it in another culture, let that grow, take the fluid out, put it in another culture, and then put it in with the adjuvants, then that's an attenuated virus vaccine. Okay, so this strategy, which doesn't prove anything, according to the scientist himself, is now taken subsequently for every pathologic virus, right, every virus that causes disease, this exact technique is what is given as proof of the virus, and this exact technique is what's used to make a vaccine against that virus. And right, because if we did this by hand, it would take probably six to 12 months, okay? But a computer can do this quite quickly. So you end up with this big, long length. We don't know what the length really should be, right? Because it's never been taken out of a a pure organism, um, and they just pack it together on a computer, and then they say, this is the vital genome. 
And they even go further to lie about this and say that when their different labs do this in different parts of the world, sequences don't match up exactly, and even the length doesn't match up. Like imagine if some of us humans had one extra chromosome, <laughs> you know? And they say it's because of mutations of the virus, of course. Um, that's their explanation, but really they're different because they're not anything at all in the first place. They're just making something from scratch. Cell damage. Now also, when they show images of the virus that are not computer graphics, they're almost always pictures of this where they zoom in and they show particles either inside of a cell or coming off of a cell, and they say those particles are the virus, but how do you know? because we do know there's lots of different particles that come off dying cells. Okay, so let's shift to talk a little bit about the PCR test, um, a test that is really meaningless. But, but just to make sure we review the important points, so it tests for short genetic sequences that we don't really know where they came from. There's no gold standard for this diagnostic test. So when I was in medical school, I was taught it's very important when you have a new test, there has to be a gold standard to compare it to so you can know what the accuracy is or the error rate. Now in this situation, since a virus has never been isolated or demonstrated to exist, and by the way, if you look in Off Guardian, there's an article by uh, Torsten Engelbrecht called Why the PCR Test is Scientifically Meaningless. And in that article, he actually corresponded with authors of several of the major papers claiming to isolate a virus and asked if basically any of those labs had purified the virus or had any samples where there was just virus. And all of them replied that they had not done this. So they admitted it in writing and that's published. So that's a really important uh, resource. So, <clears throat> Um, there's never been tested against the gold standard of showing a virus, so there's no way to know if it's accurate or not. And in fact, there was uh, only one study that was published that tried to estimate the accuracy of the test. Um, and it, it estimated the false positive rate to be 80%, which basically makes the test something that should go right in the trash. Okay, now uh, other these have estimated this false positive rate, but it cannot be calculated because there's nothing to compare it to. So one of the consequences of this testing, um, and we've all seen case numbers being reported to go up in various places, and that is the main policy driving statistic. And when they say case numbers, they're not talking about people who are actually sick. They're talking about people with positive tests. So that's why this is so important. Now, Operation Moonshot is a plan in the United Kingdom that's been put forth by the government there. Um, and it's been described in the British Medical Journal. You can see the reference at the bottom. And what this plan is about testing up, uh, setting up a testing industrial complex, essentially, that is going to ramp up and by 2020 is gonna allow weekly testing of the entire British population. So let's see what the significance of that might mean for the people of the United Kingdom. Okay, so full rollout is what they call it. They're targeting for the beginning of 2021, so only a few months away. And, uh, 
Fishman, and their CDC is named after him, called the Robert Koch Institute. So the first postulate, the microorganism must be found in people who are sick, but not in people who are healthy. The second one, you should be able to isolate and purify the organism from the uh, diseased person. Now, growing it in a pure culture has to do with bacteria. Can't do that with a virus if a virus exists. The, and then when you put that cultured organism or that purified sample of particles into a healthy host, usually animals are used for these experiments, it should cause the same disease. Okay, not just make them sick, but cause the same disease. And then you should be able to re-isolate it from that person. Okay, pretty straightforward. These are based in logic. They make sense. So here is the uh, one of the recent articles where they claim to satisfy Koch's postulates for the SARS-CoV-2. And what they do in this case is they take a sample from another study, which is not a purified virus, okay? So right there it fails because they did the diagnostic test in showing causation of an illness and sequencing the genome and of the underlying master strategy, right? Where we can prove a virus and essentially make a new vaccine at the same time. Thank you for watching our recent video. Behind me is the Jekyll Island Club, which is where the Federal Reserve was formed. And so in addition to making content and in addition to making you know, different YouTube videos and library videos, I'm also a financial advisor with a great track record. Uh, 2019, we had almost got almost all the gains of the S&P 500. And then when everything hit the fan in March of 2020, we had almost none of the losses. What I'd really recommend if you have not seen it uh, is check out my speech where it was given uh, February 11th down in Acapulco, Mexico, uploaded to YouTube February 19th. And at the end of that video, I did a little GoPro commercial, sort of like I'm doing now that was ad-libbed, where I told people what the investment strategy was. I told people that what we had did is we were uh, long the S&P 500 while also buying put options on the S&P 500. And what that meant was that was how we were able to get this because I knew the market was gonna either keep going up because of Federal Reserve money printing or it was gonna collapse because reality would actually set in. So, you know, how many advisors actually protected your clients against that? I mean, I would say hardly any of them. So, unless you were in a position where, you know, you made almost all the gains last year and didn't make the, didn't, you know, really participate in that many of the losses this year, then, then you don't have a reason to call me. But, you know, if that's not the case, then I would go check out the website, thelibertyadvisor.com, where you can book a time to talk with myself and to get a free consultation to see if we can help put you on a better path. Again, that's thelibertyadvisor.com, and thank you very much, and hope to talk with you and your family soon. Take care.